0: qualified to talk about credibility because he is he has he's proven it he's a he's a man he is a man of worth and for the record I don't wear my boots with heels on them when I pray with Gordy to make any other point other than I really like my boots with heels thank you Paul <laughs> hey, look Gordy has no issues about this have you seen him play any competitive sport whatsoever he worked that out in high school when he got told he couldn't play basketball because he was too short and then you were what the cap the star he was the star. He was the star. He was the star. That was the credibility. That's the credibility face. His mom said he was the star, so it's okay for us to pray. Okay, so Gordy and Kathleen have had a ridiculous week. That They're, they're grateful that they're not ever going to have to live again. And um, just as I was praying for him this morning, my sense was just to encourage him to bring whatever he was able today and uh and to really just to let the lord do the rest so i would just invite you all to really focus in at this point in time if you have anything that beeps or rings or is distracting or has anything on it other than your bible i would invite you to turn it off i would invite you to just make a choice to be present and available to what god wants to say to you and uh, just trust you that uh that this is a man who has shown much credibility in all the years that I've known him, and he really has a valuable word to bring. So, Heavenly Father, just thank you so much for everything that you have poured into Gordy, and that this is a, uh, this is a message that you can't preach from theory. This is something that has to be lived and has to be walked out. And so, Lord, we just thank you for the opportunities that you have given Gordy in his life, to um, have his character tested, even though at the time they might not have always felt that way. Lord, your word is clear, that that's always a blessing and a joy. Lord, we thank you for this, the, the fruit that's come in his life, what he's able to share today from himself and from other people he's witnessed from your word. And I just pray that you'd fill him today. Lord, I know so often teaching is so draining. And God, I want to ask that today he'd be filled Lord, I I just feel he and Kathleen so need to be filled today. This is the place where they're coming to be filled up so that they can give out to their family in the rest of the week. So would you fill him as he teaches today? And thank you in advance for what he's going to share in Jesus' name, amen.
1: it off that's that's what happened. All right, and and this is ready to go? Yeah? Yeah, we're good. All right. Yeah, thanks for your prayers. Um, it's been incredible. You guys have been amazing. Uh, the church, the body of Christ, our family, our friends have just a, it's just been really a, a walk with Jesus through tears and pain, but really with Jesus. It's just really been very special and, and the body of Christ has been a real part of that. Uh, Marcus had has had a number of multiple surgeries. Already, uh, Friday, he had surgery on his pelvis and again on Saturday, uh, trying to just put his body back together uh, from just a horrific fall uh, off a roof on Wednesday. And um, miraculously, no spinal damage, miraculously, no brain damage. Um, Miraculously, as he screamed for help in this remote area, a garbage truck driver heard him And just came to his side and screamed at him and said, don't go to sleep, don't fall asleep, stay awake, stay awake, stay awake. And he just stayed with him until the ambulance driver came. And so even though Wednesday was so horrible, I woke up Thursday just saying, Lord, your mercies are new every morning. And uh, so we're seeing his mercy, uh, you know, uh, through all of this. And... uh, The hopes of full recovery are actually pretty good, Uh, so it's just going to take a bit of time and uh, a bit of long rehab. Uh, I've had a number of prophetic words sent our way that God's going to accelerate that healing, so I hope that's what I'm praying for and and hoping for. But pray for him. Pray for Dee, who's going to have to be a bit of a single mom for a few months, and uh, with four little ones in tow, and uh, we're going to go with them. Uh, my parents had an 80th birthday celebration planned for next Saturday. We've postponed that, obviously. Uh, so we're just going to go and just be there, be with them. Um, and uh, just kind of survey the land and make sure, make sure everything's okay. But there's a lot of aunties and uncles and grandmas and grandpas and uh, cousins that have been really stepping up uh, in Calgary. So it's just been really cool. So let's begin with our text, uh, because uh, we're recording this, I'll read this, and uh, we're, if you're just joining us today, we're going through the Sermon on the Mount, and basically the theme of an alternative society, That G- th- th- this is a bit of a course, um, uh, a-, a compact summary of all the teachings of Jesus in, in three chapters, and, and that, that Jesus introduces it by giving his core objectives that we as the church are to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth, and the result of it would be that many people would see uh, our light and worship God. So that's what God's about, is, is making us a community that will cause people to worship him. And so Jesus is kind of walking through different issues. We've talked about sexuality, we've talked about uh, anger and broken relationships, and um, last week we talked about divorce and, and or marriage and divorce and remarriage and, and just what it means to be an alternative society on, on all of those issues. And, and actually today, in this thing about vows, it's kind of, kind of related to last week. When you talk about oaths and vows, uh, I think we'll see that. But uh, Matthew 5, again you've heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath. But... Fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot even make one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Well, again, for the fourth time, Jesus introduces a section of his teaching by saying, it has been said. And what he's doing is he's going through uh, the current interpretations of the Torah, of the law, that the the Jewish people were were holding as assumptions. And some of the scriptures that he was referring to from from the Old Testament, one is in Leviticus 19, sorry about the smaller print there, but it says, do not swear falsely by my name, And so profane the name of the Lord your God. I am the Lord. Another one from Numbers 30. When a man makes a vow to the Lord or takes an oath to obligate himself by a pledge, he must not break his word, but must do everything. And then there's another one there in Deuteronomy 23. The question is, what's the big deal? You'd think, you know, let's deal with murder. Let's deal with broken relationships. And let's deal with adultery and divorce. You know, let's deal with the 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 big ones, the heavyweight ones. You know, Jesus, lighten up. I mean, is this such a big deal about taking an oath? Why is it so important? Well, somehow his disciples picked up on the importance of that because his half-brother, James, or many who believe was his half-brother, who wrote the book of James, (coughs) excuse me, wrote this after he'd been talking about murder and broken relationships and, you know, some pretty serious heavy sin stuff. James says, above all, after he's gone through this list of stuff, above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear. Now, he's not talking about cussing here, okay? Do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no, otherwise you'll be condemned. So almost a uh, complete repetition of what Jesus has said here in the Sermon on the Mount. So again, the question I ask is, why is this so important? Why, why did Jesus put such a high priority. Well, those of you that have seen me or heard me do weddings, uh, pardon the repetition. But whenever I do a a wedding, thanks, bud, I, I introduce the concept of the blood covenant. And the reason why the blood covenant is so important is because it basically constitutes the whole basis of the Old Testament. Well, the New Testament, too. The blood covenant was introduced because... When, when we chose to not trust God as, as humanity, when we fell, two things happened. We lost our ability to trust. We've inherited that. As uh, Larry Crabb, I think, once said, we're born doubters. We're, we come out of the womb just doubting from the very beginning. And so the, that's the first thing, is we lost our ability to trust, but we also lost the ability to be trustworthy that both kind of happen at the same time. And this pr- produced, of course, tragic consequences on human civilization, because civilizations cannot uh, survive without, this, without relational trust. So they had to devise ways to, to address that, otherwise it would just be anarchy. And so they introduced the ancient blood covenant was the blood brothers, and we've all heard of that, where they, they cut each other's arm and then they drink each other's blood. That was kind of the ancient way of doing it. And the idea was, by your blood being in me and my blood being in you, we're blood brothers, or blood sisters, and and your destiny and mine is now intertwined. If If you're happy, I'm happy. If you suffer, I suffer. So it's in my best interest to really work for your well-being, too. So the, the interconnectedness of human beings. Well, that was a bit unhealthy, a bit unsanitary, and a bit, <laughs> bit gross, and they realized that pretty quickly. So they introduced what was called the, the, the covenant sacrifice. And what this was is where they would take a, a large animal, like a bull, slaughter it. Um, I was going to show you a picture, but I really got queasy myself, and if I got queasy... <laughs> I think you would too. So I, I assume you're awake, so I won't show you any gross pictures. But they, they would take this animal and slaughter it, and then they would, they would cut it in half. And they would put the hind legs on one side and the forelegs and the head on the other, wide enough apart so the two parties in a covenant, covenant would literally walk between the pieces of the animal in, in this blood covenant. And uh, literally, covenant back then, they would use, the, they would use that uh, idiom, walking between the pieces. That, that was used to talk about cutting a covenant. It was a bloody, bloody business. So, this became kind of the context that the, that the Old Testament is, is introduced. Um, right from basically the beginning, uh, we see this kind of symbolism in the life of, of Abraham. And so, what they would do is they would, they would face each other and... Um, they would have um, the terms of the covenant. That they would face each other and state what they were agreeing to. And then they would walk between the, the sacrifice, literally as a symbolic act, and on the other side, they would sit down and have this meal of friendship and an exchange of gifts. But after, before they walked between the pieces, they would uh, uh, make an oath. And this is kind of where our... Our text addresses today, this oath was where they would swear by a higher power. They would call a higher power as a witness to what they were saying to enforce what they were saying. So that higher power was usually the king or God, and, 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 and here's the deal, this, this is pretty powerful I think, is they would, they would literally stake the king's reputation on what they were saying. They were saying that basically I'm saying that that, that the king's going to guarantee this happens. the God's going to guarantee that what I 'm saying to you is going to happen. And if I mess up, he's going to step in and say, "Hey, you're messing with my reputation. You staked my reputation on this. What are you doing?" So it was pretty serious. It's pretty serious so so, so two, two things here. Number one, they're putting the, the higher power's reputation on the line by the swearing. And secondly, they're saying, I am such a flake that you're, I'm, I'm bringing in somebody else. That's that basically what they're saying, is, is my word can't be trusted. So I'm bringing in uh, this higher power to enforce what I'm saying. So the, the whole idea behind swearing is that we suffer as human beings incorrigibly from this unreliability and, and flakiness, that something, is more, something more than our word is needed to make us reliable. And Jesus now announces with the coming of the kingdom of God, with the coming of the gospel, that that's no longer necessary. And you court, in court, when you stand, what are you saying when you take an oath in court? I, I've done that a few times in court cases for some of you, <laughs> some of my kids, <laughs> um, uh, I, um, I, I stand up and, and, and I take an oath, and I'll tell you why I do it, because some people think that Jesus is saying you're not supposed to do that, and some, some traditions in Christianity don't. Uh, thankfully, the Canadian court system allows for that. They allow for, you know, vari- varieties of ways to declare that you're going to speak the truth. But I do, and, and, but it's, 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 it's a strange feeling because what you're saying is, is like you, you put your hand on the Bible and you make your oath and I swear to tell the truth and nothing but the truth, so help me God. But it's kind of like, oh, I'm going to do something that's exceptional here. That, that's the weird feeling I get. It's like, you know, any other time you can't really have... But what Jesus is saying now and with the gospel is it's all consistent. You're always, you're always under oath, as it were. Right? As, as, a, as a believer. So, um, let's move on. There, there was this uh, kind of deterioration of the idea. How many know every time you make a promise, if you had to go through all that, it'd kind of deter you from making promises? So they, what they did is they began to reduce the, uh, the covenant to the oath. They began to just say, well, you know, instead of going through all the blood and the sacrifice, you know, through life you've got to make promises, so here's, here's the deal, let's, let's make an oath. But by the time they come to the time of Jesus, the, the, there had been a deterioration into this hierarchy, of, hierarchy of, of, of oaths. And Jesus addresses this in Matthew when he's really going after, later in Matthew in 23, where he's going after the Pharisees, and he says, "'Woe to you, blind guides! You say, if anyone swears by the temple, it means nothing. But whoever swears by the gold of the temple is bound by the oath. You blind fools!' He had a way of making friends, didn't he? Which is greater, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? You also say, if anyone swears by the altar, it means nothing, but whoever swears by the gift on the altar is bound by the oath. You blind men, which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? Therefore, anyone who swears... Sorry, I'm I'm kind of not acting out how Jesus would have said this. I'm sorry, let me back up. Okay, you blind men, which is greater? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, Therefore, verse 20, Therefore, if anyone swears by the altar, swears by by everything on it, and if anyone, verse 21, who swears by the temple, swears by it and by the one who dwells in it, and anyone who swears by heaven, swears by God's throne, and by the one who sits on it, well, what's going on here? The same thing that's going on in our text. What Jesus says... Don't swear by an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne. He quotes Isaiah 66.1. Heaven is my throne, God said. If you swear by heaven, you're swearing by God. And the earth is his footstool. Same quote, same verse, Isaiah 66.1. If you swear by earth, you're swearing by God. See, the Jews would go by this, they kind of had this rule, well, as long as you don't swear by Yahweh, as long as you don't swear by the name of God, then you can get out. And so they had this hierarchy of, of things you could swear by that they'd say, "Well, I, I, I don't need to fulfill that, because I swear by, the, you know, by, by Jerusalem." And Jesus said, "If you swear by Jerusalem, I, uh, Psalm 48:1, it's the city of the great king." Well, then I'll swear by my head. But he said, "Even that's in God's hands. God created you. Some of you don't have much to swear by there. But anyway, we'll keep going, right? And so so what's going on here? What Jesus said is everything is sacred. Don't get into this dualism and segmentation where this is holier than this. And and it's all holy. It's all worship. It's all a life of, of obedience and faithfulness. And what you say matters. Every word, he said in another place in Matthew, we will give an account for. Every word in the time of judgment. So, so there's this um, this call that he call, that he gives us as the church. And and I, 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 uh, a couple weeks ago I was shopping at Safeway and I, I my bill went over hundred dollars, which takes about three items nowadays. And my daughter, my, my grand or my my mom, my daughter's grandmother did some shopping for her yesterday, and and she almost. Fainted when she bought some formula. It cost fifty dollars. Goodness, right? So it doesn't take much. So I, so they give me this coupon, ten dollars off next time you shop. I went, oh, that's great, you know. So a week later, I went back, did the shop, and um, pulled out my coupon. And they said, sorry, it's expired. <laughs> said what? So I looked at it. Sure enough, it's allowed. You're allowed six days,
0: <laughs>
1: right? And, and I, I got mad, and I, I, didn't, I didn't yell at the poor cashier. It's not her fault. But I, I, was, I was talking to some other customers. We almost started a whole movement right there because they were all agreeing with me. Because they all know that you know they all know that the, that the deal is is that somebody that pays a hundred bucks for groceries probably will take another week before they do that, right? So so there's this little fine print that said you got six days to do it, and. And and what it what it showed me was there was just a lack of good faith, and and what Jesus is saying is you, he's calling us to live a life without fine print. That that what the coupon says is 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 what it is. You know this this past week has been an amazing example of that. I, I've had amazing little texts from all over the place and phone calls and emails and just a, the body of Christ just amazes me. But this one. Guy. He's a friend of mine. He used to play junior hockey in, in uh, the, the Western Canadian Hockey League. He used to fight get guys like Dave Semenko. And uh, he, they call him Psycho. And because uh, he's this skinny little guy, he's smaller than me and really skinny. And he'd just pick on these big guys. And he probably would have been in the NHL, but God got a hold of his life. And, and he ended up being a vineyard pastor in Calgary. And he, uh, he's just the neatest guy. And he sent me this email. And he said, Gordy, I heard about what happened. And he doesn't know my daughter. doesn't know their family. And he said, uh, we're ready to go with whatever you need us to do. He said, we can bring meals. Just let us know. And I, I'll tell you the feeling I had when he sent that. I knew he meant it. There was just something about this guy's solid credibility. I, I remember being at an airport one time, and we were flying back from Toronto, and I found out that my flight, I had to wait around the airport for about four or five hours and I was tempted to pay 50 bucks and get a Sooner flight out, and I just, I just didn't want to do it. You know, I was living in frugal times. so... And Dan was there with me, and all of a sudden he just throws 50 bucks on the table and says, go home. I almost cried, <laughs> you know. And, and there's, there's something about that true blue credibility, you know, that's so loving, that's so... Uh, settling and establishing, and, 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 and this room is, is filled with people like that in, in my life. God, there's a credibility on you. You mean what you say, and you say what you mean. Well, to digress a little bit, let's back up. I want to, well, I won't show this yet. Uh, God uh, decided to accommodate himself to this whole swearing thing in the Old Testament. And he didn't want to, you get the feeling like he didn't, he, 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 it wasn't the thing he was most excited about, and, and, and he felt a bit conflicted about it, but because he wanted to be trusted, uh, I think it was Andrew Murray that said that the sum of all of God's doings in the Old and New Testament is to get us to trust him again. You know, and we're like, we're like that spooked cat, you know, or, or dog or whatever that's just, Hiding and, and won't, won't remember try was talking about that a couple weeks ago that cat and And we're like that. We're all like that and God is, is is wanting to restore our trust and and so He he decided to enter into this whole realm of oaths and covenants and swearing and to work with it So that we would trust him again And so in doing so he was not acknowledging that he was not the flaky one He was not acknowledging that he was the flaky one. He was acknowledging our tendency to project to protect yeah. sorry project our flakiness on him and, 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 and assume that because we're like that, he's like that and he can't be trusted. And so we see him working with this with Abraham where he says to Abraham, Abraham, let's, let's be friends. i tell you what. The way we're going to be friends is I'm going to promise you something. I'm going to give you a land and I'm going to make you a great nation. So leave your father and your, your loved ones and I want you to go to a land that I'm going to show you and you're going to enter on a journey, and we're going to walk together, and we're going to have some adventures, and in that adventure, you and I are going to get to know each other really well. And I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to make you a great nation, and in fact, it's going to be such a great nation that in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And we're still part of that legacy, by the way, today. It's because of that promise that we're here. Well, you know, Abraham said, well, that's exciting. So he takes Sarah and his family, and off they go, and... And he realizes after a few years that it's going to be hard for this promise to be fulfilled when his wife can't have babies. So he says to God, I'm having a little bit trouble believing you. So God says to Abraham, Get a sacrifice and do what? Get that animal, prepare it, remember, just as I described it, and wait for me. So Abraham makes the sacrifice, cuts it in half, he's waiting, and he's waiting, and he's waiting, and then the crows came and the ravens and He's got to beat him off with his cricket bat. I don't think he played baseball. He probably played cricket. And he's waiting. And finally, he falls asleep. And it says a horror of a great darkness came over him. And then the Lord spoke. And he said, Abraham, he said, what I told you is going to happen. It's going to happen. And I'm going to give you a great nation, but I want you to know it's not all going to happen in your lifetime. You're going to live a good life, and you're going to finish well, but it's going to be your children and their descendants and four generations that these promises. See, I I love what, what is it, Thomas Cahill, the the historian, he, he says that any vision that does not transcend generations is too small. Right? And so God said this is going to transcend generations, but it's going to be well with you, Abraham. It's going to be well. All will be well. And then it says this torch came down. And Abraham sees this burning torch. And guess what? It goes right between the pieces of the animal. And you know what blows me away about that? Is that it never says anything about Abraham going through. You don't read anything about Abraham walking. It just, God said, whether you're a flake or not, it's just... Sign sealed. I'm going to keep the covenant. I'm going to keep the covenant. Covenant God, you can take this one to the bank. So, and and it says, the scriptures tell us that God swore. He didn't want to. But he... He wanted to kind of accommodate himself to us. So Hebrews writes about this, and it says, When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself. Good. I love that. Saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, suffering, enduring, persevering, suffering setbacks, wondering if things, everything's going to go sideways, Abraham received what was promised. People swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Your love is the anchor. My hope is in you alone. See, I've read that verse all my life and I could never understand this. Where the writer of Hebrews says, there's two unchangeable things and then he only mentions one. You ever notice that? Well, what was the other one? It's impossible for God to lie. What's the other thing? The other one was redundant. The other one was unnecessary. The other one was only done for us in our flakiness. But it wasn't needed. By God. The other one was? It was the oath. It was the swearing. God says, okay, I can't lie, but just for you, ah, oh, shoot, by myself, I swear.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and it's that redundancy that Jesus is addressing in our text. He's going, you're, you're God's people now. You're like your father. You're true blue, no fine print, no caveats. So, so God, and that's, that's the significance of the communion meal when we break bread, and Jesus, in the upper room, he said, this, this blood is the new covenant in my blood. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. It's that God has made a covenant with you and me and, and he's made a promise. You see, there's, 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 th- there's two things. Promises, promises are easy to make in the moment. They kind of get us through things. I promise, cross my heart, spit to die. Right? They kinda, and promises are easy to break for the same reason. Is they kind of get us to manipulate our way through life. And God says, "When I make a promise, I keep it, even at the cost of myself. I swear to my own hurt and change not." And when God went to the cross, and it hurt Him to keep on loving us, and keep on uh, forgiving us, and keep keep on giving His life for us, He didn't stop. He kept going. He didn't say, "Stop! This this hurts too much. I don't feel in love with you anymore. It's not convenient." You don't turn me on anymore. You don't make me feel good anymore. That spit doesn't taste very good. So, is it wrong then to testify under oath? I think there is a tension. As I said, I think some of the Anabaptist traditions don't do it because they take this passage literally. But there are incidences where Jesus responded to the call under oath when he was on trial. To speak and testify, and he, he respected the authority, and, and Paul did too. In fact, Paul said several times, God is my witness. Um, so I think it's an issue of conscience. Fortunately, we live in a country where you can follow your conscience in that. So some takeaways. First of all, as an alternative society characterized by simplicity, clarity, and sincerity of speech. We've, we are called... Lord, who may dwell in your sanctuary, who may live on your holy mountain, those whose walk is blameless, who do what is righteous, who speak the truth from their hearts, who have no slander on their tongues and who do their neighbors no wrong, who cast no slur on others, who despise those whose ways are vile, but honor wh- whoever fears the Lord, whoever keeps their oaths even when it hurts. Ephesians 4.25, Therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. 1 Corinthians 5.8, Therefore let us keep the festival not with the old bread of leavened, with malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Make promises and keep them. You see, there, there's two things. Some of us, we make promises and then we break them when, when it's inconvenient. Others of us, we have more integrity than that. We say, "I'm not just going to promise anything," and we live life without promise. But if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you are called to make promises as an act of faith. You don't make them eat lightly. You don't make them, but you, you make them as an act of faith. And uh, but you underpromise and overdeliver. Underpromise and overdeliver. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. And I err to the side of no, I must say. But that's because when I say yes, I'm going to do it. By the way, I think our Sunday rotation that we do on Sundays, you know, where we sign up for different chores and responsibilities. I think that's discipleship. And you swear to your own hurt and change not. And I do get called as references for your job sometimes. Because when your faith was little, your faith was much, Jesus said. So it's not the biggest thing. It's not the most important thing. I know that. But I think sometimes we trip on the basics, right? It's important to practice these simple little things. Family chores is part of our character development. And uh, so I don't want to make too big of a deal of that. But I think I, I, I thought of that this week. I remember one time when I came into the vineyard, I was like that spook cat. This was back in 1991. And we had just suffered a terrible. Uh, Church disaster in England, where the the the, the lead apost- apostolic leader had had left his his uh, wife for a 24-year-old girl, and it just uh, devastated the churches. This moral fall, and I was very distrustful. I didn't know how distrustful I was of leadership. Uh, it's amazing how you how you fool yourself with all kinds of spiritual answers. Oh, we're just here. I was talking to Bart Siemens the other day. I uh, used to be an elder here. I said, I, I had all these spiritual excuses. Ah, don't, don't. I'm, I'm just kind of going to plant a church, you know. It was just ways to protect myself from being hurt again. So a Greg Trainer, this Ozzy, who was coming to Regent with, uh, with his wife, became part of our church and, and I remember talking to Greg kind of in this one of these spooked times and And as as I said often back then, let's get together for coffee sometime. And Greg, good old Ozzy, said, yeah, how about this Thursday? (laughs) Noon, at the barn, right near where you work. And I remember going, gulp. (laughs) Literally, I felt just this fear. And then he said, the first thing he said when we met was, let's do this every week. And I felt the same fear hit me again, but I'm so glad I said yes because over the next six months, I poured out my pain, I poured out my distrust, I poured out my anger, and God sinked me back into the church again but there's just there's just something about making commitments and keeping them now sometimes you have you have to break one that's, it that's life it it is. It's, it's, in a perfect world, you could always keep your promises. And sometimes you do have to get out of it. And, and, but I think you, it's just the, the spirit of it, just being as responsible as you can to, uh, to cover for that commitment. So, so I don't want to put a big legalistic heavy on you about it. But, but the spirit of it you know, is, is you make sure things are covered. Or, you know, you make alternate arrangements or things like that, right? Uh, you know, because sometimes we get sick or things, go, you know, I, I understand that. So, the third thing is live primarily in yes and no and not maybe. Paul, when he, he wrote the Corinthians and he said, I, I, I know that I said I was coming and I didn't. Now, what do you think? Am I a flake? Was I fickle? When I intended this, Or do I make my plans in a worldly manner so that in the same breath I say yes, yes, and then no, no? But as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who has preached to you by us, was not yes and no, but in Him it's always yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, there are yes in Christ, so through Him the Amen is given, spoken by, to, to, by us to the glory of God. It really... I don't know, maybe I'm making too much of this, but an example is, is I, when, you know, these evites that come out? It's amazing to me, somebody will send out an evite to something, and you'll have about one-third of the people that have responded, and you've got about two-thirds of the people that haven't responded. And to me, that's, that, I, I don't want to make too big of a deal of it, because so, some of us are spooked by technology. I understand there's, there's different issues. and some, some of us believe all that stuff is of the devil. I understand that. <laughs> right? But I'm just, I'm just saying, okay? I'm just saying, you can't over-communicate. In a broken society, you cannot over-communicate. Now, you can send too much information. There's a difference. Were you looking at me? No! Not looking at you. See, I know, oh, I wasn't even thinking of that. I was thinking of, yeah. I mean, that is an amazing example. Right there... The way that Kim communicated at yeah. camp—that was fantastic, really was. But there's a you know, some, there's a lot of information you and I can't handle. There's just we're having information overload, right? So, but, but communication—you can't over communicate. You can't. And sometimes it takes discernment to, to discern what's information and what's communication. But 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 the point is is is, is we're not very good at communication. Amazingly, with all the technology we have. Um, So, in spite of Carly Rae Jepsen's song, Call Me Maybe, try to live out of maybe, okay? (laughs) All right. Even though she's a good local girl, good good stuff. So, corporate credibility, setting community goals, and holding ourselves accountable. And this is where I want to repent a little bit, because we set some goals at the beginning of this year, and I realized that we've seen some of those fulfilled. We've made some moves towards them. But I got so engulfed in grief over the last three, four, six, five months with people moving that I realized that I lost focus. And actually, I had to take some time to remind myself what we committed to. Yeah. And I love, I love this. Maybe some of you think this is hokey, but I love this SMART acronym. It says specific, measurable, attainable, have a responsible person and make it time-specific. I think that's important, like for us to have credibility as a as a community. And if we don't reach it, at least we tried. Shoot for the moon and hit the lamppost, right? Well, no, that's not attainable. So I guess I blew that one. So, um, do we have time for that song? I want to leave you with this uh, as a as a ministry for you. Um, And uh, if you know the song, can you sing it? Sing along with it. Uh, This song has just been a grace for me. It's kind of sustained me through this um, week. And so Jesus said, take the comfort you've received and pass on to others. So if you know it, sing it. Sure. She doesn't want you to minister today. No, she, she, she to.
0: shouldn't. I have to want to the bathroom. And
1: the change. One thing remains. One thing remains. Crank it, Mark. Your love never fails, never gives up never runs out on me. Your love never fails, never gives up, never runs out on me. Your Never fails, Lord. I ask that we would be people, Lord, that would reflect you, that we would reflect your heart, God, that your love never fails. So, I I bless this congregation with that today, Jesus' name. Mm
0: So, we want to give Gordy and Kathleen an opportunity to receive prayer this week. So maybe just some of you who uh, are not feeling desperate for prayer yourself and, and are in a position where you're able to come and just pray for them, we would ask that, <clears throat> that you would do that um, for them. And just uh, invite you, if you need more prayer, to either turn to somebody that you trust or um, that, uh, that to receive prayer and bless one another. Or uh, if there's nobody that you feel comfortable with, you can come forward. I'm, I'm available here for prayer. Um, I don't generally play one-on-one with uh, guys. So if we could have another brother, if you see a need, if you could step up. (laughs) Um, So that would be great. And uh, we're just, yeah, just thankful for your credibility, both of you, and ultimately really just what that message is, right? That God is is absolutely there, there for us always, always, always. Never gives up, never runs out on us. So just uh, bless you to minister to each other. And if some want to come and pray for Gordy and Kathleen and be with them, that would be great. Thanks all for coming today. Bless you guys. Have a great week.